Welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach Brendan Sir, and I am so excited today. Steve Forbes, the head coach of East Tennessee State University, who has had just the most remarkable five-year run of any coach that taken over a program I think almost has ever had. Steve, welcome, my friend. Well, thanks for having me, Coach. I'm a uh, big fan of yours, known you a long time, and I'm honored and it's a privilege to, to be on this podcast. You know, I was talking to Kevin Eastman the other day, and I told him we were going to do this podcast with you, and right in the way he reflected <laughs> to Las Vegas, <laughs> and, <Yep. laughs> and and we, we talked about our very first coaching you clinic 12 years ago mm-hmm. and and, wow. and we were so you know kevin and i said you know we really want to do this we really want to share let's try to develop assistant coaches you know and then we didn't know if anything would work or not we tried to do it around uh, the recruiting calendar i think in what we did in july out there and and there at the palm hotel you know, we had like what a hundred seventy five hundred eighty coaches yep. in the first session, and you and your and your staff mates at Tennessee were great enough to come. Uh, I'm going to ask this question first. I know the answer, but I want our our listeners to really get this, Steve. Why the University of Tennessee, which was a tremendous SEC program, why did you and your guys and your staff come? Well, because you know, I think you have to cons- constantly learn. You know, and, and things, the game changes and you have to change with the game. You know, I don't, I don't coach the same way I even did at Tennessee as I do now, probably in some respects. So, sure. so you're always trying to learn, you know, and, but I will tell you this, and this is something I learned a long time ago, going to my very first clinics, those Nike clinics, you know, when, with Valvano and Coach Olson and, and Carnesecca and those guys would all speak and I would try to write everything down. And then go home and try to do it all. And I couldn't do any of it. You know, I was a jack of all trades and a master of none. So what I have learned over the years with things like coaching you or any, you know, type clinic is that, you know, don't try to do it all. You know, try to take a couple things, you know, two or three things away from the clinic and then try to use them with what you're doing. Because, you know, it's not what you know, it's what your players know. Mm-hmm. And and you know and so you can't make it too complicated. I you know and, I, and I've known Kevin, Coach Eastman forever. I mean, he recruited my players at Barton County Community College back in the nineties when he was at Washington State. And, wow. You know, my first job was at Idaho in Division One, and we were six miles apart because he was the head coach of Washington <laughs> State. So I've known Kevin a long time, and I know he's brilliant. And you know, um, I wrote down, you know, I had all these different ways. We were talking about garden ball screens and all those type of things, and at the clinic and. But I remember going back, going, like, I, you know, we can't do all of these. We got to pick, you know, a couple, three things that we can do to improve. And that's basically what, you know, we were trying to do is we felt like um, we had lost. I don't remember what year it was. We played, I think it was 05 or 06. Uh, when I was at Tennessee, we played uh, Ohio State in the Sweet 16 with Odin and Conley. Yeah. And they were, we were up 17 and a half and got beat. And one of the reasons why is they went to the flat ball screen. We really didn't have any idea how to guard it I hadn't seen it a lot you know the middle middle flat and Conley's going around you know he's just getting downhill making baskets he's throwing shot passes to Odin for dunks you know it was ugly and so I think you know some of those things you know you you try to figure out how to guard them you know and I remember watching tape uh we're getting ready to play Gonzaga one and 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 coach Boylan I think I can't remember he was at Utah I believe and they were down in ball screens, you know, and I looked at it like, what are they doing? This is, this seems to be working, you know, the ball's not going middle, you know. So I think it's, I think it's things like that you try to pick up, you know, when you, when you do these, when you, when you do these type of things. You know, when, uh, when Kevin and I started this, we said, okay, what are our objectives trying to run coaches, start coaching you? And, uh, and Kevin just very matter of factly said, we want to see if we can develop continuous learners. You know, that's a big thing with Kevin. And then the other thing we had was we wanted to make people think. We didn't want to convert people, you know, to play the way he and I like. Just make you think about maybe the way I'm doing it or maybe there's another way or, geez, I didn't know about that, you know. And uh, and then I remember years ago when I was – I'm not sure even where I was, but I think I might have been coaching the Magic and Bobby Bowden was still coaching Florida State forever. (laughs) And – and one day he's doing an interview, and they said, "What are you trying? 
what do you try? How do you get your players to know all these plays? He said, I'm the only professor on campus where all of my students have to get an A in my class. <laughs> well, There's a know, lot of truth to that. It was brilliant. You know, and, and that's yeah, a good one. It, yeah. Yeah. It, it, and, you know, um, I've always kind of, some of the couple things I learned early in my career was, you know, more is less and less is more, too, at times. Sure. And so I try to keep things awfully simple, the, as simple as I, as we can, and then just be really good at it. You know, and that, and that goes back sometimes to football, too, because, you know, they'll run – They'll run the same play until you stop it. Yes, you know, and then and then they have a wrinkle off of that. And I think sometimes in basketball we try to get too complicated. You know, I, like some I know a lot of coaches will run a play, score, and then they'll try to run fifteen other ones just to show you what they got in their book. I'd rather just run the same play three or four times, make you stop, and then run something else. Right. You know, and I think that's that's part of coaching. Those, you know, there's different ways to skin a cat, but I think sometimes we try to overcomplicate it. Now, if any of you, any of you, uh, you know, when we put out Steve's uh, podcast, when you see his journey of the places that you've been as a coach, uh, you know, we talked uh, off air before, and uh, would have loved to have had an exclusive contract to move you every time he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, sometimes I had to pay for those moves. So oh, it, isn't that the truth? But it, yeah. it just quickly. Uh, give yeah. from when you started just mm -hmm. the progression of it, and then I'll come back to what my point was. This is fabulous. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I think my right. journey's made me who I am. You know, it's probably the road less traveled, to be honest with you. And it started in my dorm room in college in Southern Arkansas in the in the in the late eighties, and I decided that I wanted to be a college basketball coach. Now I had studied to be a lawyer, and I just didn't want to. I didn't want to study. I didn't want to go back to school, and I was done with it. And so I wanted to coach basketball because I loved it. So I sent out um, probably 200 letters from my dorm room for a GA job. And um, that was back before we had computers, so I actually had to type them. And I would go to the mailbox every day uh, after I mailed them, and, and the guys would write me back, and I got like 199 rejection letters. Yeah. And I got one that said Don Dyer, who was the coach at UCA at that time, who – Coach Scotty Pippen um, wrote me back, told me he might be interested. I went up there, uh, didn't work out. So um, I took an SID job in Southern Arkansas where I graduated from for $6,000 a year, no benefits. Got married to my wife of 31 years now. And during that time, um, you know, she got pregnant with my with our daughter from my first year. So I had to get a job. And so, you know, I went, I got a job right away. I got a job only because I could coach baseball. At, at Southwestern Community College in Crescent, Iowa, where I grew up. So I went back, took this job. I was working economic development. Southwest, I was coaching baseball and basketball. And then after two years, um, when I was about 24, 25, uh, the baseball coach decided he wanted to be the baseball coach. He let me become the basketball coach. And so I took over, um, won 20-some games, and then I took an assistant job. I, went, I actually left a head job went to Barton County Community College in Kansas because it was a, the Jayhawk was a great league at that time. I wanted to be in the best Juco league in the country, so I went to Barton County where I became the head coach later on. And then after nine years in Juco, I, just, you know, I, I took a, a leap of faith and went to the University of Idaho with Dave Farrar, who uh, had coached at Hutch and won a national championship. And, and so that's when my journey started, you know, in Division One, It was Idaho, and then it was Louisiana Tech. And then it was Illinois State. And then I got a really big break, in my opinion. I got a big break as far as coaching. I, I, I went to Texas A&M with Billy Gillespie. And Billy was, I mean, he's an unbelievable coach. And really a lot of the things philosophically that I do now, I learned from him. And from there I went to Tennessee with Bruce Pearl, and we won, you know, a, a bunch of games. But then something happened to me that's going to probably happen to a lot of guys in this yep. business, and I, I got fired. You know, and and that was after 22 years now, Coach. So, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, I told my wife that. I said, we're pretty lucky. So, what do you mean? I go, well, it took 22 years, <laughs> you know, before we got fired. And, you know, again, uh, I mean, I got, I think I got lucky getting fired because then I went back to Northwest Florida. I went back to where I started, back to junior college. But I'd been, a, you know, I was 48 years old. I've been 22 years in a business. I've been with some great coaches, learned a lot of things. Then I had the opportunity to go apply them at Northwest Florida. And we go to back-to-back -back national championship games. And, 
you know, really truthfully, I don't coach much different here than I did there. Right. And, and I got lucky again because, you know, Greg Marshall's coming off a final four year and I'm really good friends with Chris Jans who grew up kind of together and he's fabulous coach in New Mexico state. They asked me to come join the staff. Well, I go join this team in Wichita state and we go 35 and one and 30 and four, you know, and not because of me. And, you know, and then East Tennessee state comes open and, um, I get the job, you know, and this is my fifth year here. So yeah, I've, I've banged around a lot of places, moved my family, my kids, my two, my, my two oldest kids, uh, Elizabeth, she's been, she went to three high schools, you know, Christopher went to three high schools and Jonathan, my youngest, who's 16, thank goodness. He's only been in one, <laughs> but you know, my, my kids are here. My daughter's working on her PhD. Wow. Um, my son just finished his master's and he's going to be working for me next year as a video coordinator. So, um, it's really been good. This place has been awesome for me. Well, after this timeout, we're going to come back because that has just set the map for the rest of our discussion. We'll be right back. Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. We're back with Steve Forbes, head coach at East Tennessee State. Uh, another brilliant year in five years, 130 wins, 43 losses. That's, like, incredible. And But, you know, the thing that uh, that I love about you is you're the exact same way you were when I first met you. <laughs> and, you know, and that's, the, that's a trademark, I think, of a great man and a great coach. Uh, you know, and also uh, the other thing I'm really big on, and I think you would, I know you will definitely agree, is I don't know too many coaches that have a family that aren't great parents, too. And I think it's the mm -hmm. same skill set, parenting and coaching. Well, I think it is. You know, when, I hate to say this, but when I've seen certain coaches' kids be undisciplined around me, then we usually don't have very good discipline on the team. You know, and right. if, you can't, if you can't coach your kids, your own <laughs> children, you can't coach your players. And you know, but I also think this, you have to have a very strong wife. You yeah. know, Janetta, uh, my wife, we've been married uh, 32 years, going on 32 years. I mean, she's basically had to raise these kids without me a lot, you know. And, and one of the hard things for a coach's wife, I think, is to understand that life has to go on without without me or, or your yeah. husband. And, my, and then when I can catch up, great. And when I can't, don't, you can't just, you can't just live, not live your life waiting on me. And, and, uh, you know, things have slowed down a lot, you know, as I've gotten older, I have, you know, especially being the head coach, I haven't been able, I have been home more, but, um, it's, it's really hard to, uh, to raise a family with three kids, stay married 32 years when you've done the moves that we've done, you know, and uh, a lot of that credit, all that credit goes, you know, to my wife. I totally agree. They're, they're amazing. I told my wife many times, I said, you wouldn't be a very good NBA GM because you didn't negotiate well. You you deserve to be paid way more than you did. <laughs> well, yeah. I always tell people I'm a really good recruiter. You just have to look at my wife. So <laughs> you look at me, look at her, and go, okay, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. And, I, you know, and I didn't say this in my journey, and, and I missed one really important part of it. I actually took my wife on our honeymoon on a job interview that I didn't get. <laughs> This is a true story. I, we got married in, in, in Spring Hill, Louisiana, right up, you know, yeah. on the tip of. And so um, she said, she said, well, where are we going on our honeymoon? I said, well, uh, I, I said, I said the word Omaha real fast, but I think she thought I said Oahu, but actually I said Omaha. 
And we went to Omaha, Nebraska. And my college basketball coach, Tom Mitchell at the time, was Bob Hansen, assistant in Nebraska, Omaha. And so we drove to Omaha, and we stayed with my college coach on our honeymoon. <laughs> and I interviewed for the job in Nebraska, Omaha. I, after that, we drove back to Lone Tree, Iowa, where I'm from, which is about three hours from Omaha, waited for a week in my parents' house, and then I didn't get the job. <laughs> that's a true story. And so that's when I went back to be the SID uh, at it, Southern Arkansas. You know, it was it was crazy. I mean, everywhere I turned, it was no, 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 no. You know, but the funny thing about it is, is when I, you know, had all those rejection letters from yeah. the GA job. Well, about four, about six, seven years later, those same guys were recruiting my players at Barton County. Ooh. <laughs> you know, and I had those letters forever. I wish I hadn't gotten rid of them. But I, I used to kind of look at them like, oh, well, you didn't want me, but now you want my players. Okay, I see how it works. You know, so I, I figured out real fast, if you got good players, they'll come back. They'll come around. Them coaches will come around. Talk about uh, the infamous uh, Billy Gillespie, who uh -huh. got back in our business uh, this week with a, you know, right. supposedly a really good job, right? Potentially, uh -huh. you know, talk about him. You know, he's he's, you know, he's got an incredible reputation as being just amazing uh, basketball coach guy. Uh, you know, and just talk about him because you know, I honestly, he's one of the few coaches I don't know. Well, Billy's not an easy guy to get to know. Um, he, he keeps his circle, you know, pretty darn tight, um, pretty private. Um, in fact, it's interesting when he – I mean, he called me out of the blue. You know, guys ask me all the time, well, how do you get jobs? I said, well, you do a good job with the one you have. Right. You know, and, you, and the unfortunate part is so many guys are trying to get another job. They don't do a good job with the one they have, and they lose that one. Sure. You know, and so I was sitting in the office at Illinois State with Porter Moser. I was on his staff first year, just gone through the first year. Memorial week, Day weekend, on a Friday afternoon, Billy Gillespie calls me. He just got a job at A&M, and he says, hey, uh, who should I hire? You know, I'm looking for this Juco guy, maybe. You know, I said, well, I, I gave him like five names. And we talked. I didn't really know Billy that well. I mean, I've met him out. You know, he was at UTEP. I was at La Tech. We are in the league. Whatever. I, I didn't really know him that well. And – he finally, at the end of the conversation, he said, well, I was kind of hoping you'd be interested. Well, I said, well, you didn't ask, you know, and, <laughs> and so I'm not, I'm not that guy, you know. And so this thing goes on and on and on and on. And finally, Labor Day weekend, 100 days later, he offers me the job. So it's me, Buzz Williams, and Alvin Brooks. Pretty good staff. Whoa. And, you know, and Jarence Howard was there, too. Jarence is, you know, coach. he's been a coach self-staff at Kansas forever. He was, he was like – one of our volunteer, not volunteer, but you know, younger guys on the staff. So, uh -huh. um, I didn't really know, you know, I'd really, it, it was kind of a leap of faith. Um, you know, my wife was pregnant with our third child at 40. She couldn't have, she couldn't work. And it was really the first time I, you know, I could make enough money where she didn't have to work. So really truthfully, it was kind of more of an economical deal than maybe basketball. But what I didn't know and, and soon to find out he's an unbelievable coach. And, and um, I talk about this a lot. You know, I think a lot of guys want to talk about culture, and that's great. But I think before you can have culture, you have to have an identity. And what I learned at A&M was identity. And this is who we are. This is how we play. And this is how we go about our business every day on the court. Okay? And and I've played, and I'm sure you could say the same thing. I can't tell you how many teams I've scouted, played, coached against I don't really think they knew who they were. And if you ask the players, they couldn't tell you. Right. You know, and so what I learned from Billy was these are simple things. I mean, but something he preached every day is, you know, play hard, play smart, play together. And I think if you – and I always tell my players this, you know, if you come watch us play and you don't know anything about our defense or offense, most a lot of people don't, but if you walked out of Freedom Hall and, and, and the regular fan would say, man, that, that ETSU, they play hard, man, and they play together. And, you know, and I don't think a lot of teams do, you know. And so that's the first thing, hard, smart, together. Now, we don't always get the smart part right, but we got the together and hard part. You know, we shared a ball on offense, and that's something with Billy. The ball moved. It wasn't one or two guys dominating the ball, you know, on offense. We move it. We share it. We had eight different leading scorers this year on our team that won 30 games. Wow. I don't know. I don't know if anybody in the country had that. Eight different leading scorers in a game on our team this year, but we moved the ball. 
Um, I kind of came up with this one, you know, we're gritty, grimy, tough together on defense. But that's the way we did shell drill every single day at Texas A&M. Every, the same way, every day from the beginning to the end. And it, and it got better and better and better and better. And, and coaches, I mean, you think about this. When I was at Texas A&M, we played Bobby Knight at uh, Texas Tech. And we played Eddie Sutton at Oklahoma State at home and held him to two field goals and a half. I mean, wow. who does that? I mean, who does that against those guys? You know, um, could really defend. Uh, one thing that my players get sick of me saying and my coaches, you got to grab the ball with two hands. You got to possess the ball with two hands. You got to grab. So that's the fourth thing is we possess every loose ball or 50 50 ball with two hands. And the final thing is, you know, do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it on and off the court. Basically just execute. And so I tell the guys all the time, my identity is who we are. You know, it's what we stand for. Knowing, you know, who we are is what we stand for. It gives our team a kind of a shared identity allowing us to, you know, play and practice with a common purpose. And I, I, I believe, Coach, championship, championship teams establish a clear identity and then they practice and play that way. And so everything we do in practice – it revolves around those five things, and that's what I learned today at a and The practice plan was the same pretty much every day as it is for me here, and we were emphasizing those things as far as, you know, how we're going to play. What, what what was Buzz Williams like at that at, at that age? Well, Buzz is a machine. You yeah. know, he, 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 I mean, he, he was all over the place. I mean, tremendous recruiter, highly, highly organized, obviously you guys know. You know, uh, took notes in practice. I always thought it was interesting. Buzz took notes every day in practice with a with a, with a uh, note card every day. Yeah. You know, um, I'd be interested to read them now. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> you know, just uh, a, a, a good friend. Uh, we're still really good friends, um, and uh, just a hard worker. You know, uh, he was he he didn't really have a lot of wasted moments. You know, I think we're. Sometimes, you know, you get in the office and, you know, all of a sudden you're on your computer and you're not really probably looking at things you need to be looking at or doing the things, you're supposed, you know, just just sure. kind of messing around. I, I don't think Buzz has those kind of day. I think Buzz gets up in the morning with a purpose. It's planned out. You know, he's pretty anal with the with the, with the old calendar. So, uh, and, I, and I'm the same way, Coach. I mean, one of the things that I've done here, and I, I started this at Northwest Florida, is I, I have a, I have a to-do list every day, but my to-do list is is really uh, based around the people I need to touch every day or every couple days in our program. And so, like, on my to-do list, on the left side, I have my AD in five places. I got my academic person, my my donors, or, you know, the guy in charge of fundraising, the budget, compliance, SID, and community service. And down the middle is my assistant coaches, my strength coach, my GAs, and my team. And down the right side is my own personal things that I need to do. And, and then I have one place there for my family, you know, things that I need to, I, I have to write down and remind myself. And so, I mean, I think probably, you know, that's one of the things with Buzz, you know, I was always pretty organized, but I, I, I became more organized being around a, a person like him. Did you think he was going to be, uh, now he went, from there, did he go to New Orleans University? Of New Orleans, he did. Yeah, he did. I tried to talk him out of it. Um, uh, it's interesting how our pat. You know, he went to Villa Seven, the very first Villa Seven, who's actually run really by Doctor R- my AD, my former Doctor Sanders, yeah, who hired me. Yeah, he's still here, but he hired me, and that, and really truthfully, that's one of the reasons why I got the job was because of his relationship with Buzz and Anthony Grant. He hired Anthony at yes. BCU, you know, and so, um, you know, Buzz goes to Villa 7 and he gets, and then the guy, you know, the AD's there and offers him the, the New Orleans job. And I said, Buzz, you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to move your family? I mean, this is after Katrina had hit. Oh. You know, and so here's the deal. Like, we spent a whole semester at Texas A&M with Tulane's whole athletic department at A&M. They would practice, uh, Coach Dickerson, this, Steve Prohm was on the staff at that time. They would practice after us every day at A&M because they had to move their entire athletic department to A&M from Katrina. Wow. And I, and I said to Buzz, I said, you sure you want to do that? I mean, you know, it's almost like a third world down there. To, you sure. know, it's bad. And uh, But he wanted to be a head coach really bad, and, you know, he took it. And, you know, 
it was only, I think, a year, maybe two, and then he went to Marquette, you know. And, and I remember sitting with him at the Final Four in San Antonio, and he'd been at Marquette one year, and I sat with him and Corey on a Wednesday, his wife, and his wife actually played at Barton County when I was there. It was crazy. <laughs> um, and I said, you know, he said, Crean uh, had just taken the Indiana job, and I said, what's going on? He goes, you're not going to believe this, but, man, I think, I think I'm going to get the Marquette job. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, and he flew home and got it. And then, and he didn't stop. <laughs> he kept winning, and you know he did an f- unbelievable job there at Virginia Tech, and and now he's back, you know, in Aggieland. That's amazing. What a great story. Now the thing, talk about. Let's go to Tennessee and Bruce Pearl because you guys were having a great run there and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, great teams. You know, mm-hmm. great style of play, the pressing style. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and it was high energy. You bothered the heck out of the SEC. I mean, you, I remember Billy Donovan called me one day, and I, I'm in the NBA, and he says, I don't know what to do. Bruce, uh, zone presses are baseline out-of-bounds play. That's right. I said, well, shit, no one does that in the NBA, so I can't help you. I'm sorry. You know? Yeah. But, but it was really, you know, really, and, and that, you know, the way you guys ran the flex and the way the movement mm-hmm. is incredible and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, style of play, uh, how did that influence you and stuff? Well, it's, you know, uh, Jason Shea's on my staff. I love Jay, right. And Jason um, was with, obviously, with us at Tennessee, but he played for Coach. He started all the way back at Iowa. And obviously, you know, Coach Pearl, and that's where I met Coach Pearl, or I'm from is Iowa. And when he was Coach you know, he was Tom Davis's assistant. And right. so that's where all this pressure evolved from was from, Dr. you know, Tom. Dr. Tom. Yep. Now, you know, the out-of-bounds thing, we still do that here. And and we, a lot of times, lead the country in turnovers forced on out-of-bounds plays. And basically put the five-man on the ball because a lot of times the point guard takes, you know, a smaller guy's going to take the ball out. Sure. And you put your center on the ball, and hopefully he's, you know, 6'10". Get seven foot, gets his hands up, and then you 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 put your two best deniers on the ball side, and 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 you switch everything, and you try to steal it, and it, and it does it did it does cause problems. Now I do think more and more teams have done it, and people are a little bit more used to seeing it. But those first couple of years in the SEC, that people didn't know how to handle it, and right. it and, and you think about it when you turn it over on the baseline and you get it, you're dunking it on the other end. I mean, defensive balance is terrible. <laughs> and so, and, and you think about it out of bounds plays coach. I mean, how many teams are good at looking at their third, fourth option on an out of bounds play. If you take one and two away and three panic sets in, Yep. you know, and now you got a seven footer on the ball. You can't see, you know? And so deflections, you know, steals, it's, it's a game changer. We, we beat Mississippi state. Um, uh, three years ago, and we we scored twelve points on out of bounds on turnovers. Jeez, you know, and so I mean, it was a game changer because we, you know, we we only won by two, you know, and so I mean, it's you know, and it, it forces teams kind of like special teams, you know, in football, you, you got to prepare for it. If you don't prepare for it, you're going to turn it over, and you know, so that and then you put the full court pressure to press. Now, I think as we evolve, as we got deeper into our Tenure at Tennessee, maybe didn't press as much. We pressed lesser talented teams, but when you're playing, you know, when you're playing Billy Donovan, he knows how to break pressure. You know, sure. it, it, it's not something that you want to do too much gambling in because you give up too many easy baskets. Um, and that's probably the difference between Coach Pro and I. Coach Lux to teach pressure, and I was opposite coming from A and M. You know, I yeah. believed that you had to learn to guard in the half court and then extend sure you know and that's what we do here we now we extend but we don't do any of that until we learn how to guard in the half court and um you know so yeah the press was good you know we called it cutters uh the flex yeah and really truthfully we ran as hard as we coach doesn't coach pro doesn't believe in a in a secondary break because he says if you run a secondary break then you don't have a primary i agree so we push and play Push and play. Three guys at the baseline as fast as they can. You know, a rim run, a guy running to the rim, two guys at the deep corners, pushing a trailer. And, you know, we try to attack. And we pitch ahead and score. If we don't, then we've, we've, at that, you know, at that point, I don't run cutters, but we flew, we would flow into that and try to get something easy. And then at the 12 second mark, about 12, 13 seconds left in the shot clock, he called, 
he'd call a, a play. Now, what happens is when you're chasing those guys, you know, you, you start to wear down, right? Now, I'll give I'll give Coach Billy Donovan a lot of credit. You know what he did is when he figured it out. So we would push and play, <laughs> we get to flex, and then when at twelve seconds, he go into zone. Yeah, you know, smart. You know, because we're standing there in a two three basically when you're running flex, and so you know that caused um, to make some adjustments. You know, but coach coaches again like Billy. You know, and, and, and Billy and Greg Moore, all these guys have a style of play. They have an identity, and they stick to it. They're not all over the map. And, you know, obviously it works because um, Coach took Auburn to the Final Four. I mean, who does that? You right. know, and, and we went to two sweet 16s in Elite Eight when I was at Tennessee. You know, and, and we didn't. We had we had um, two McDonald's All-Americans in six years. Two. You know, the rest of those guys were Burger King All-Americans and wanted to kick McDonald's ass, you know. Um, I mean, you know, it was, it was they played really – now, I will say this. Practice was completely different at Tennessee than A&M. Texas A&M practice was probably more like what we do here. Practice was harder than the games. I mean, it was a it was all-out combat every day. And when you got to the games, the game slowed down. You know, but it was it, it was – it was just different. At, at at Tennessee, coach was all about their legs. You know, he he you know a lot of just uh, dummy offense. You know, up and down the court. You know, take a day where we didn't you know have any physical contact. Yeah. Maybe more like the league. Maybe I yeah. don't know. Yeah, no. You know, you're but, right. but but that just goes to show you that there's several different ways to skin a cat. Again, you know, sure. one works for him, one works for Billy. You know, but but they're both winners. You know, and, and I've tried to combine both of them the best I can. You know, I've been really, I've been really lucky. You're not going to believe who's trying to call me right now. As our our mutual friend that that just whipped the coronavirus, Maury Hanks. Oh, he, um, he did. Thank God. He's, yeah, he did. He did. He's fine. Obviously, he's fine because he's calling me right now. So, I, I mean, I think coronavirus was the only thing that could could shut him up. But <laughs> he's uh, he's back healthy. Thank God. But, thank God. He probably you wants know, you to play in a tournament. <laughs> Yeah, oh, oh, no question. He's going he's gonna, to, hey, Sonny Boy, where's my contract? I can hear <laughs> Um, You know, so trying to combine those two, for me, when I went to, when I went, got, went to Northwest Florida, that's where it, the experiment started for me as far as those two philosophies, you know, trying to combine, pre- like, I would say this about Billy Gillespie. We play pressure half-court man defense, you know, and then we, and then combining that with, Full court pressure with Coach Pearl, you know, I was pretty fortunate, obviously, yeah. very fortunate to coach for the Big 12 Coach of the Year and the SEC Coach of the Year when I was there. Wow. <laughs> I would say so. What a, what, a, what a training ground. After this timeout, we're going to come back with Steve Forbes. Fast Model Sports is the world's most comprehensive, versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and iPad to providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. It doesn't stop there. Along with FastPro, they have other great programs such as Fast Scout, which helps coaches create clean, professional scout reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by all NBA and WNBA teams, 85% of Division I college teams, and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills on their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. We're back with Steve Forbes, East Tennessee State University. Steve, we talked about Billy Gillespie, we talked about Bruce Pearl. <clears throat> when you guys as a staff, and this is, you know, again, thousands and thousands of coaches around the world, but, you know, of all levels, high school, college, and pro listening, especially now during this time, 
we talked about in the beginning. Getting fired is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we think is a life-changing thing. It's happened to, if we stay in this long enough, I've been in 48 years, I've had my share of them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, but I think what impressed me the most about you and Jason was when it did, you guys made the ultimate sacrifice financially, and he came down to Northwest Florida, and you just worked on your craft. And I think that was huge, and the reward has been significant. Can you share with us? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the reality of it is when you get fired, the first thing you have to do is be accountable. You know, why did this happen? How did this happen? You have to look yourself in the mirror and take responsibility and then move on. You know, and I think that was the first thing for both Jason and I was being responsible and being accountable for what happened, uh, you know, learning how it happened, why it happened, and then never doing that again and moving on, you know, and, and learning from that. And so you can learn a lot from getting fired, in my opinion. And so what happened was, you know, hey, listen, I'm a, I want, I'm a basketball coach and coaching is coaching. I don't care where you are. And so getting this opportunity to go back, you know, to go to Northwest Florida was the, really, truthfully, the opportunity of a lifetime as far as coaching. Now, monetarily, it was really rough, you know. I mean, I went from making a lot of money to making not much at all, you know, and <clears throat> Jason even less, you know. But we learned a lot about that. You know, sometimes when, you, you, when you're having success and you're making money, you start – you got things you really don't need in your life, you know. And so what happened was I moved from this big house to this little small rental, and we reconnected with my family and we got rid of a lot of things, you know, material wise, we just didn't need. Right. And, and so I really, truthfully, I think it, was, it probably slapped me in the face and woke me up a little bit. You know, success changes people and you have to, you know, how to, you got you to be able to deal with it. And so when you lose, when you get fired, you, you take account for those things. And so, yeah, Jason and I went to Northwest Florida and that's all we did. You know, we, we, we coached, you know, we, we, we had really good players, but, you know, we didn't really have, we didn't have anything else to do, but get them in the gym, you know, work them out and then build this philosophy that we have. And Jason and I have been together ever since. I mean, except for my time at Wichita State when, right. when we kind of even went to North Dakota, we built this philosophy offensively and defensively of how we wanted to play. And then we, 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 you know, we, we put it into uh, play at Northwest Florida. And um, really, truthfully, I mean, we run some different things, but most of the things that we do here, we did at Northwest Florida. You know, it's it's basketball is basketball. Right. You know, it's just sometimes you just got better players, you know, or a higher level talent or skill level. But, you know, we just went back to being basketball coaches. And, you know, we took time. You know, we had time to go watch other teams practice. We went up to Louisville and watched Patino practice, you know. There's all those SEC teams around us, and all those coaches were coming in to recruit our players. Sure. Well, when you do that, you share information, you know. It wasn't always about the recruiting part of it. It was more for me, like, you know, why do you do certain things that you do? And and so we just continued to grow, you know, as coaches at a, at a different level. And uh, I, I think, truthfully, I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd be here. I'm not sure I'd be here if it wasn't for that. I really don't. I, I think everything has a reason for happening. And I think that getting fired really, you know, slapped me in the face and woke me up. And, and, you know, I think sometimes, again, I think when you have a ton of success, like we were having at Tennessee, you kind of forget who you are, you know, and I come from a really small town. I, come, I graduated 32 people. I grew up in a farming community in Iowa thousand people in my hometown, you know, my great grandma passed away in 1989. She had 156 grandkids, great grandkids. I mean, I come from a big family, hard workers, you know? Um, and so I think, I think, you know, it was probably time for me to get fired at that point. Yeah. You know, if you had gotten that job at East Tennessee state from Tennessee, mm-hmm. I think you would probably agree. You probably wouldn't have been as successful as you've been. Is no, not even close. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. No, I wouldn't be. I, I thought I was ready. Yeah. Don't get no. me wrong. You know, and, 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 but there's no, I mean, I was, listen, I, I was 50 when I got this job. Okay. 50. How many guys out there are going to be willing to, to, to grind it to 50 to get a job? Right. But when I got this job at 50, I promise you I was ready. Sure. You know, and, and because also, also too, you know, I had just come from Craig Marshall, Wichita State, you know. <laughs> 
I mean, you think about it. I worked for Billy, Bruce, and Greg. You know, wow, all in a row. Okay, and then and then had a chance on my own for two years after Bruce to go apply the things that I learned from Billy and Bruce and Dave Farrar and all those other guys. And Porter, even Porter, Mo, I mean, Porter coached in the Final Four. Sure, you know, I've coached with I've coached with three guys that have coached in the Final Four: Bruce, Greg, and Porter. And that's not even counting Billy, who I probably learned the most from. How about that? So. I mean, you know, it's, um, you know, and that's the one thing about being an assistant, you know, and, you know, he, he, when you're an assistant coach, you're putting your career in his, in the head coach's, in the in the hands of the head coach. And so I think some, you got to be, you got to try to be particular about who you work with. But now sometimes you don't have a choice, you know, I get it, but I've been fortunate if you think about it, you know, I mean, I got an undergrad master's and doctorate in coaching from those, those guys. Sure. I mean, it, you know, I've I've learned a ton of from those guys. What uh, talk about Greg Marshall? Uh, mm -hmm. Incredible success uh, mm -hmm. he's had all along the way, uh, and and you know, stepping up from the Missouri Valley, uh, which was a tremendous league, but mm -hmm. going to the American Athletic Conference, which is a very underrated, hell of a league. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and every 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 game is a fist fight. You know what I mean for mm -hmm. a school like them. Uh, you know. Uh, tell me what you you picked up from him. Yeah, well, um, probably of all those guys we just talked about, uh, he doesn't have a weakness. You know, when it comes to offense, defense, recruiting, um, dealing with the media, dealing with you know, donors, which probably you know those four aspects are pretty big in in, in college basketball. Sure. You know, if, if you ask me, you know, um, I, I'm not telling you that Billy has any weaknesses, but, you know, offense was pretty simple. We ran two game, you know, like Kansas high low at that point, And that was pretty, that's what we did. You know, with Coach Pearl, you know, it was all about pressure defense and then the flex. But, you know, once sometimes if we weren't an older team or tougher team than when we got in the half court defensively, maybe we weren't as strong. Sure. Um, but with Greg, I just, there's no, there's no weakness. I, I mean, he's a very, very polished person and extremely smart. Um, very, uh, you know, what, for me, it was awesome to work for him because he's not a micromanager. He, I think he called me on, on my cell phone at, after work, maybe four times in two years. Wow. Just, just didn't just let me do my job. Um, extremely demanding um, and, and holding players accountable, not just, in practice, but in their daily life, the, the, you know, and so in recruiting, you had to find the right guys that could, that could, you know, do the grind every day. And that wasn't just practice and lifting. That was go to class, act right, you know, get good grades, blah, blah, blah. Cause he's on all of that. And so, you know, I think, you know, basketball wise, you know, he, he's got, he's, he's run, he's a John Crest guy. Yep. So he's got a lot of sets, a lot of plays. And some of those, a lot of those I've, <clears throat> I've tried to put in here. You know, Nick Nurse and I had this conversation. You know, Coach is the first person I ever coached with that <clears throat> called. Now, you know, the game's changed a little bit with Shot Clock. But we had a quick, which was a secondary break. We had sets. We had three sets. We had a breakdown play and a zone. And, and he never called those. You had to memorize them off the board. The quick, the three sets in a row the breakdown play, and then the three zone sets if they called zone. I mean, it's that's a hard system. But, you know, it's like you're talking about Bobby Bowden. You know, yeah. we're talking about guys that have to learn. Not only they got to learn all the plays, then they got to memorize them during the game because he's not calling any plays. I'm not sure I could right. do that. I can't. No, so I was going to tell you. So I tried. So, again, you got to go back to who – you got to know who you are, right? Right. So I come here, and I completely screw my team up my first first semester because I'm trying to do that. Sure. But I don't have Fred Van Fleet. I don't got Ron Baker. <laughs> you know, and I'm not Greg Marshall. And I couldn't remember what I called <laughs> half the time. You know, and so here I was. I had a losing record at Christmas my first year. Okay. Came home, Christmas time, lost to Tennessee in a close game, four point game, mad, depressed, you know how it goes. You know, it's Christmas time. I'm trying to ruin Christmas. My wife's like grow up. And <laughs> I decided then I was screwing the team up. So we went back to what we went to two game and five plays and won 19 games after Christmas. 
Wow. But the pro- but the problem, I was over coaching, and I was telling they were, I was making them overthink. I just, I just needed to let them play. And so, you know, with coach, it's a very intricate system, and it's very demanding in practice. As far as there's two things you're going to do with coach, or you're not going to play. You're gonna re- you're gonna block out and rebound and defend, or you're never going to see the court. And I've never, I mean, as far as when the ball goes on the rim at Wichita State, it's like a piece of meat, like a hungry dog is going after the ball. I've never seen like it as far as rebounding. It's amazing really? how hard those kids play and how they check out, but beat the check, go get it. But he's on it. I mean, every possession. You know, some guys are really good. You know, looking at the offense or the defense, he, he's one of the few guys that he can see it all. Yeah. And I'm not that good. I'm not that. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I could concentrate on a couple of things, but he can see everything. And I'll tell you the one thing he's never going to miss is a checkout. If you don't check out, <laughs> ooh, ooh, it's going to be a tough day for you. That's, that's you know? fabulous. Yeah. No, that that's great. And that's identity and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that, yeah. That, that, that's that's but, neat. But, but, but defense and rebounding win championships. Yes. You know, in the end, I mean, you know, yeah, we got to score. I get it. But. There's going to be a lot of times when we're playing home or away, the ball ain't going to go in the hole, you know. And so you better block out, you better rebound, you better defend and and get more possessions and that and limit your team to getting possessions. And I think that's been the, you know, probably the secret sauce for him. You know, Steve, when uh, when I went to the Pistons, I had coached against Chuck Daly for years and I had always said this guy's you know, besides dressing great, God, he, <laughs> you know, he uh, he runs great offensive sets. And, uh, you know, and I thought he was just a premier offensive coach. And now I go and I'm working for him. And what I, I found out, he emphasized, he believed in only emphasizing two things. And it was defense and rebounding. He never uh-huh. talked about offense once. Uh-huh. It, he said, and I said to him, your teams, they play so good on offense. He said, I don't have to encourage Isaiah Thomas, Vinnie Johnson, Joe Dumars <laughs> to run. You know, these guys, they come out, they practice that. They don't practice rebounding in defense. Yeah. And it made such an impression on me. And the other thing was just making sure that you can only emphasize so many things to guys. And you know what? And those things that do win. You're right, 100%. That, well, that, that goes back to the thing, is, you know, more is less and less is more. Mm-hmm. And keep it simple, stupid. I mean, you're right. You can't be, you can't do it all. You can't be, you know, a jack of all trades and a master of none. You got to pick, again, like like I have an identity. That's what I, that's the way we approach every day as far as on the court is, is, is through that identity. And my practices, majority of the practice for me too is, is like, it's just defense and rebounding. Now we, you know, in the end, in the practice, when they're fatigued, we'll go. We'll run some offense, and we'll go over our sets and sure. plays, and we'll play up and down. But when you come watch this practice, for the most part, it's going to be about toughness. Beginning of practice, I try to pop them early, like the first ten minutes. I pop them, and they and so they're tired. And then, and then we go right into defensive breakdown, shell, all that stuff. I mean, how we're going to guard ball screens? We do it every single day to the point that they know what's coming. They know what we're going to do, and uh, but then it becomes second nature to them, you know, when we get in the games. And the most proudest moment I had this year was when Trey Boyd, my leading scorer in the championship, after the championship game against Walford in the press conference. Now, Trey came here as a scorer from Northwest Florida. He couldn't guard you or me or this chair in front of me, okay? <laughs> and he didn't want to, okay? He had no desire, all right? But, you know, Trey – been one of the biggest transformations as a player I've ever coached. Just completely changed his mindset as far as being a defender and a team player. And sometimes, you know, for scores, it's hard to be, you know, you're a little selfish and you, you need to be, but he needed to be a little less selfish. <laughs> and so we're in the, we're in the, we're, they're asking about the game. He said, he, and he stops and he says, let, let, let me just tell you something. Listen, that, well, practice at our school is harder than the games. So when we get in the games, the game slows down. And I just looked at him like, oh, wow. my God, he did not just say that. You know, but that's a proud moment for a coach. Yes. You know, when your players begin to say and believe, not just say it, but believe what you're telling them and how you're, and how you're coaching them. And when he said that, I, know, I mean, come on. Now, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, we won 30 games. There's the reason why we won 30 games because of kids like him. 
you know, they had it figured out. The Southern Conference is one of the most underrated conferences mm. in the country, boy. And I'll tell you what, uh, you know, Wofford Stuff. last year going undefeated in the league, which was mm. absolutely incredible. Good coaches in the league from top to mm. bottom. Uh, it, it, people don't realize how hard it is to win in leagues like that. And uh, I'm so proud of you and Jason and everything you've done. Uh, and it's an honor for us to have you on Coaching You, Steve. It's just fantastic. And uh, just love to watch, you know, what you've done in your career. And uh, you're, you're a star, man. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, thank you so much for having me. Again, I, you know, I, I was one of the original Coaching You guys. From, yes, you were. You know, came and and then I know Jason came back the next year. And I still have my notes. I still look at them, actually. To be honest. I mean, I, I was going to say that. I still pull those notes out and read them. And. You know, I, I, it's an honor to be on this, and um, you know, I've known you a long time, and have a ton of respect. And uh, you know, I'm hopeful that you know somebody can listen to this and understand my past different than a lot of people. You know, I didn't hit a single and land on third. You know, I had to work around the bases, and I think for young guys, they don't. You got to understand that, man. You got to work your way around the bases. You're not going to wake up tomorrow. And be a head division one coach. I mean, you got to you got to learn your craft, and you got to go through some trials and tribulations to get there. And if you're willing to do that, it's it's a great reward. Well said, brother. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you. Incredible, uh, Steve Forbes. Uh, he's one of us. He's a coach, a lifer, uh, who is so passionate about his thing, about his career, and about the game, and about the kids he coaches. I think the best thing that you pull out of this is identity. I mean, that hit home. I mean, everyone nowadays talks culture, culture, culture. I believe in culture, but culture is an outcome of behavior. Identity determines what your behavior is going to be. Steve is magnificent. Get a chance. uh, Watch his teams play. Pull them up on Synergy. Uh, They have great stuff. His kids are terrific athletes, and man, can he coach. Uh, A big thank you. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sarah.